0: In other words, he is morally correct. All morality comes from him. There is indeed a right way to live, and there is a wrong way to live. And where do we find which way is right? What is right? And that is the scriptures. And because we are spiritually bankrupt, our sense of right and wrong is really off. We really do not know, even though we all think that we really know what is right and what is wrong, but our sense of right, what is right and what is wrong, is really off because of our bankrupt, spiritual bankrupt state. You know, actually, Jonah chapter 4, verse 11, says this. It says, Should I, this is God speaking. Should I not pity Nineveh? That great city in which there are more than 120,000 people, persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. There, right, God is saying the Ninevites, they do not know their right hand from their left hand. Of course they do. What God is referring to is Ninevites, people who do not really know God. And for that matter, even the people of God, the, the Israelites. We do not know what is right and what is wrong, even to the point, to God. It's the same thing as us not knowing what is uh, to to our right and what is our our left. That's just how confused we are. That's how directionless we are. That's how we are just without God's guidance, without God's truth. That's how God sees us, and that's, what we, and that's all that matters. Even though no matter how uh, right we think we are, in the eyes of God, apart from his word, apart from his truth, we do not know our right from our left. It's like trying to find which way is north by looking at a broken compass. Right? You don't rely on a broken compass you look at the North Star if you if you don't have uh, the compass, right? To see where which one which way is north. And from there you can figure out your direction. And scripture is like the North Star. It tells us, it shows us which way to go, what is right. And today we're gonna be considering a related attribute of God, and that is His. Holiness. His holiness. Holiness is uh, the preeminent attribute of God. It is at the very core of His being. And just like God's righteousness, uh, His holiness is intrinsic. It's not something that He tries to be or He decides to do or decides to be. His very nature is holy. Holy. He doesn't wrestle with or make some concerted efforts to be holy like us. We, you know, for us, right? We have to really just uh, think about it. We have to, like, really just try our hardest to be holy, right? Because left to our device, I mean, left to our vice, right? We will be pretty unholy in our ways, our ways, the way we think, the way we speak, our motives. All those things. We have to make efforts to be holy. But God doesn't have to make efforts. God doesn't have to think about, oh, I have to be holy kind of thing. God would have to cease to be God if, uh, to, to be unholy. It's just in His very nature to be holy. And uh, we have to understand all the divine attributes through the prism of his holiness. We really have to do what we really have to. Whether it is His love, goodness, justice, or any other attributes, they must be understood in light of the truth that God is holy. His love is holy love. His mercy is holy mercy his spirit is the holy spirit everything about god every attribute every character of god it's founded on grounded on the holiness of god now the holy uh, the word holy means separated set apart or withdrawn from common use that's what it means holy means Separated, or set apart, or withdrawn from common use. So I think I briefly mentioned it, but we tend to understand holiness. When we hear the word holy, we usually understand it in terms of moral purity. Being holy means to us having this unadulterated moral uprightness, you know, to be holy, we should not look into, like, the pornography. For us to be holy, we should not cuss. For us to be holy, right, we have to be honest. Or things like that. Really, just a lot of, like, moral things. And we think um, morally being pure, morally just being unadulterated, we think that's what holiness is. And that is usually our definition of holiness. But it means more than that especially when it comes to God, and by extension, to us. It means more than moral uh, perfection or or, or, um, purity. Moral purity and uprightness is only part of being holy. We need more comprehensive understanding. So then what does that mean? What does that mean when we say God is holy? And therefore, when we say we are to be holy, what does that really mean? So first, first point is that God is separate from and transcendent above his creation. Um, so that's, that's the first point. Yeah, God is separate from and transcendent above his creation. As creator, God is above all his creation and totally distinct. From it. And the distinction is not just uh, quantitative, like basically in the same category or in the same continuum, but greater. Like somehow we tend to think of, we should not think of God's holiness as like we are in the same continuum, where we are one end and He's in the opposite end. Right? But we're somehow like in the same continuum, in the same category. Like, you know, like the hurricane category, there's one, two, Five, right, that's not how we have to think of the holiness of God from our level of holiness somehow we are kind of way down there and God is way up there but we are kind of in the same in, in the, we're talking about in the same vein but it is rather qualitative it's not quantitative same but greater but it's qualitative uh, difference because he's a completely different being When we say God is holy, it means that God is separate from and completely transcendent from his creation. That's what it means to be holy. That's what it means by by God being holy. He cannot be placed in the same category. For example, you cannot compare, right, qualitatively. You cannot get into an argument of, like, is Usain Bolt faster than Superman, right? It that just doesn't make sense, right? I mean, Superman is a fictional character, superhero that does not exist. I mean, sorry to pop the bubble if you believe that he, he's there, but you cannot compare, because qualitatively, qualitatively, they are completely different beings. Usain Bolt is an actual person, right? Superman is not. You cannot compare the two and see who is stronger, who is faster. Likewise, we cannot compare our holiness or just the degree, just that there is a different degree, uh, a different degree, right? Whatever we consider majestic and splendid. You know, uh, many, many years ago, I, I went to, um, well, okay, the Grand Canyon, right? I Actually, I went there twice. Um, but I, I remember the first time, my just jaw just dropped when I looked at the, just the scale of Grand Canyon, I was like, ah! Right? It literally like took, takes, your, it takes your breath away. I was just in so, such awe of, of Grand Canyon. You know, just, it's just an incredible thing, uh, incredible sight. It's so majestic and splendid. Right? But when we consider these, even thinking about the, the, the universe, how vast it is, whether things on earth or in heaven, the fact is they are mere creatures, the creation of God, and that's it. God alone is the creator, separate, transcendent, and incomparable. He's totally the other, that we cannot try to somehow bring God to somehow to our level and somehow try to just compare God to, to certain aspect of us. And then just say, thinking that, oh yeah, but you know, he's just little, definitely just much higher than us. But still, considering us in the pretty much in the same like continuum, in the same category, no, cannot be compared that way because God is completely separate and He's transcendent above all His creation. You know, in this passage that we just read, if just the way we understand holiness, which is. Moral perfection and sinlessness, if that's how we are to understand it, then why would the holy, sinless angels in the presence of God? Yes, they are sinless. They are holy, right? Because they're, they're morally, they are not corrupt. Then why would this holy, sinless angels in the very presence of God cry out, never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy? It's the Lord God Almighty. Why would he say that? They are holy themselves. Why would they? Is it because there's a different degree of holiness between God and angels? If we understand holiness to be moral perfection and being sinless, why would they keep saying that? Is there such a thing as a different degree of sinlessness? When you are sinless, you don't struggle with sin. There is no sin. So can there be even a, such thing as a different degree of sinlessness? When you are sinless, you are sinless. So if, God, if we could understand uh, holiness as a, just simple moral perfection, moral purity, and moral uprightness, which the angels are, why would they say, hey, they are holy themselves? So it's, uh, are the angels saying that, oh, you are, we are in the same category, but somehow you are Holier than us, to a much infinite degree. Is that what it's saying? No. When this scripture, when this, uh, when this verse was written, when the angels were crying out nonstop, day and night, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty." What they're claiming, what they're proclaiming, what they're yeah, what they're really saying. Is a God, yes, we are, because by God's grace, these angels in the very ministering angels, in the very presence of God, while they themselves are holy, what they're saying is, we are your creation. You are God, you are the only creator God who is completely separate from any one of us, even the most holy and uh, morally perfect uh, Sinless angels, there is, no dif- uh, there is no comparison because God is completely separate. He's a completely different being. He doesn't, he's not merely holier uh, in the sense of more pure uh, purer than, than the angel, sinless angels. That's not what they are really claiming. Uh, proclaiming. They're declaring that God is completely separate from, God is completely transcendent above his creation. That's what holiness is. Every divine attribute is simply an expression of God's holiness in that it demonstrates that God is distinct from his creation and that he is absolutely separate and he is a completely different being. The tri nature of God is an expression of His holiness. Is there any person? Do you know of any being? Do you know of any anything that's in existence that has a that triune nature? Is there anything that you have a one being but has three distinct one nature and yet one person and yet one God one you know and that has a three distinct persons? There is not no such thing. They cannot, it's just impossible for us to even just imagine a being that is triune. But God is; He's completely different from any one of us. So, for us, we try to, in, with our finite mind. We try to understand the the, the the concept of Trinity. It's impossible for us to even comprehend wrap our heads around it. The fact that God is triune, God is an expression of his holiness, because he is completely separate from, we cannot consider him as an extension of our understanding or knowledge or with our intellect. When when we say God is spirit, when we say God is sovereign, omnipotent, omniscient, eternal, immutable, righteous, is there any created being so infinite, so free, And so unhindered, it all speaks to his holiness because God is a completely different being. We cannot compare him with anything that we can think of or that we can imagine. And somehow God must be like this, making some kind of like really such a flawed understanding of making an illustration About God, because God is a completely different being. We cannot truly try to compare it with some kind of object, with some kind of concept that we bring in to explain God. God is uh, incomparable. In that sense, God is holy, not just morally pure and perfect, but God is completely separate from and transcendent over his creation. God is holy, and all he is and does is an expression of his holiness. And the second point, when we say God is holy, that not only is he above and separate from and transcendent above his creation, but it also means that above his creation's corruption. The holiness of God also means that he transcends the moral corruption of his creation and is separated from all that is evil and sinful. Not only God is uh, unique among all his creation, but also he is separated from all that is profane. Because God is holy, he cannot sin. He's completely separated from us. He cannot enjoy sin. He cannot be in the presence of sin. He cannot be associated with even a hint of sin. Since the fall of Adam and Eve, we've been entangled in sin. Right? I mean, we all have the sinful nature. Even though, and you know, I'm sure the, the, the parents who are um, you know, raising their kids, they all talk about terrible two or terrible three. Kids that were so, like, adorable, so cute. And, but then as they grow older, even before even they have just formed their own philosophy of life, I mean, what would a three-year-old kid know? But they start showing their true nature before they even have a concept of what is right and what is wrong. They say, no. And they start really, be, start rebellion. They start wanting to do things, well, not start. But they're expressing more and more, being assertive of what they want. Selfishness, right? That's who we are. The society didn't make us, you know, sinful. It's just in our nature. We are entangled in sin. None of us is capable of rising above sin. We are swimming in the ocean of sin. But God is absolutely separate and untainted from all that corruption, depravity that we are so familiar with. No other divine attribute is so often declared and explained than the holiness of God. Above all else, God is holy. And today's passage describes in the throne room in heaven where the angelic ministers are worshiping God nonstop, day and night. And it says, once again in verse 8, Never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. In the scripture, repetition is used to emphasize what is being said? The fact that God is whole, uh, that, that God, God's holiness is declared three times, right? They are not simply saying holy is the uh, Lord God Almighty, but they are saying holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, right? It indicates that God is absolutely and infinitely holy, and no other divine attribute is proclaimed with such emphasis. Nowhere in the scriptures does it say that God is love, love, love. It says God is love. We don't find that. It says God is love, love, one more time, love. Right? No. Nowhere do we say, uh, say the scripture ever uh, proclaim that God is merciful, merciful. Merciful. we do read that he is holy, holy, holy. Holiness is the foundation of all that God is and does. There is no, uh, absolutely no possibility that God could be tempted or his nature defiled. He is incorruptible. James chapter 1, verse 13, we looked at this before says, let no one say when, God, uh, when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. He's incorruptible. He does not tempt anyone, and he cannot be tempted. There's absolutely no hint or inclination of evil and wickedness in him. But the holiness of God also means that God cannot take pleasure in sin. He's not neutral or apathetic about evil, but it is an abomination to him. He finds it offensive, disgusting, and obscene. It is repulsive to him. I, I, you know, I was reading some of the, the things in the social media, and you know, some of the people were outraged by you know the now the former uh, New York governor you know, Cuomo, right? Because you know he was on the record before saying that he was just like condemning all these people with like sexual harassment, right? These people need to be blah, 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 right, and then he was in denial, right? And even in his uh, resignation thing, while I, you know, he, he basically came up with all these excuses. Some of the people found that very offensive. But that doesn't even begin to compare to the stench that sin is to God. Because God is infinitely holy when there is a violation, when, there's, uh, when it's, His holiness is offended, right? There is such a degree of wrath that we cannot even begin to imagine because God is infinitely holy cannot take pleasure enjoy sin we all have sinned and we have tasted how sometimes it tastes it's good and it we get kicked out of it we take pleasure out of sin that's why we dwell in it if it was so repulsive to us I don't think we would be dwelling in sin we love sin we have no idea what it is like to be so repulsed by sin All other beings and things, even heaven or holy angels, derive their holiness from God. They are not holy in themselves, even the holy angels. But their holiness flows from God as a gracious gift from Him. If God were to turn away from them and withdraw His grace, they would uh, would fall from their holy state, into sin and corruption. And that's what happened with some of the fallen angels, Satan being the chief of the fallen angels. What happened is really basically God withdrew his grace from them. And before they know it, they are fallen angels. All of us, whatever the semblance of holiness that we may have, It's not so much because we are holier than other people, because we are more disciplined than other people, because we are better than other people. It is because God has graciously allowed us to even have or seek semblance of holiness in our lives because God has graciously allowed that. It is a gift of God. Now, here, I want us to think about the popular phrase, Uh, God loves a sinner, but hates the sin. Have you guys ever heard that phrase before? God loves a sinner, but he hates the sin, right? I don't know about you guys. I heard this many times over the years. Before we casually use that phrase, we need to examine what it's really saying because people can mistakenly think that there is somehow a, a dichotomy, right? Separation of sin and us when God deals with us. God says sin in us, and God is really upset about it. He's really like, you know, he's upset, right? But somehow we may think if we do it this way, if we say it this way, we can easily think that there are sin in us, and we us, as a human being, are they are two mutually exclusive entities. We may have this... Uh, picture of God being really mad at the sin when God looks at us, oh, okay, I'm fine with you, I love you, right? Oh, but your sin, I, I hate it, I hate it, right? But, um, you know, so we may think that, you know, I, I can, uh, you know, we may have this idea, mistaken idea of God really being able to separate us from our sin, right? But you see, God not only hates the sin, but his hatred is also manifested against those who sin. Psalm 5.5 5 says, The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. Anyone who is evil, anyone who is wicked, God hates. We so cannot separate all oh, sin and you. God loves the sinners, but God hates the sin. But you may ask, you know, Pastor Wujin, how can this truth be reconciled with other passages of Scripture that talk about God's love for the sinners? I mean, John three sixteen, right? God so loved the world, right? I mean, God definitely, Scripture talks about God loving the sinners. So what are you saying? Why are you being self-contradictory here? So this is how we are to understand it. Though God's wrath, even though God's wrath is revealed against sinners like us, it is. God's wrath is revealed to us. We are the objects of God's wrath. Because, you know, John 3.36, in the very same chapter that talks about John 3.16, John 3.36 says this, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. In other words, the wrath of God has been on all of us. But when we turn from our wicked ways, when we turn to Christ, as we repent, and as we trust Him as our Lord and Savior, then the wrath of God is gone. He has so, so, so even though God's wrath is revealed against sinners like us, he has demonstrated his love by sending his son to die for the very people who deserve only punishment. They cannot simply separate the two. While we, are, we were the objects of God's wrath, at the same time, God didn't separate us from our sin, but God had mercy and grace upon us. And while we are the enemies of God, He revealed His love to us so that we could be saved. So that's what it means when we say God is holy. God is absolutely separate from and transcendent above His creation and also His creation's uh, moral corruption. So then the last point is our response, right? It's, it's all good. You know, God is holy. It's good to know. Next Should that be our response? I hesitated to tackle this one because I understand the implications of this subject, and I know myself. I struggle with the pursuit of holiness. I feel really unworthy to speak on God's holiness because I fall short. I fall so short. I was like, man, should I even just talk about this? Topic. But the thing is, the holiness of God is so central, it's so crucial to who God is. It's at the very core of Him. God being holy, 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 holy is God Almighty. So I had I I I Should I even speak on this topic? But then I felt God was speaking to me, right? So, what other divine attribute? Do you feel worthy or qualified to preach on? Are you so? Are you that loving? You feel so qualified to preach on God's love. Do you feel so qualified to talk about the compassion of God, because you are being compassionate? So, what other attribute do you feel worthy or qualified to preach on, Wu And I didn't hear the. Audible voice, obviously. I just had that impression in my heart, and I believe that that was really from the Lord, and I was like, oof, ouch. Right? So I was like, okay, Lord, As even though I struggle with this so much, right, I am absolutely not worthy or qualified to speak on this topic at all, because I know myself, but it is the truth of God's word that must be known to, to, to all of us. God is holy, holy, holy. We all fall short of God's glory. We are an abomination before him, but he has reconciled us who believe to himself through the death and resurrection of Christ Jesus. Our own goodness and efforts are never enough. What we could never achieve, being righteous before God, before a holy God, Christ has achieved, and it can be ours if we acknowledge our unworthiness, repent, and trust in Christ. But what should be then our response? Hebrews 12, chapter 14 says, Strive for peace with everyone, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Strive for the holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. You see, we are not saved because we are holy. Far from it. None of us is holy at all. But true salvation will always lead to holiness because God will do his sanctifying work in us. In other words, our growth in holiness is the evidence of our salvation. How do we know that we are truly genuinely saved? It's not so much of like you know how we feel. When you look at your life and are you growing in holiness? Are you becoming more like Christ? And that's how we know. Because the growth, our growth in holiness is the evidence of our salvation. If you feel like, you know, for the last five, ten years, I've been to church. I've been to church. I, th- I think I'm a Christian, but I don't see any growth. If you don't see any growth in your holiness, being pure, more morally, more upright, being separate from the world, you have to realize there's a there's got to be a yellow, you know, light flashing in your head. Uh oh. There is no change in my life. You have to really think about that. Has your life been transformed? Are you becoming holier in your conduct, your speech, your thoughts, your motivations, and in your being? And I'm not talking about developing a holier-than-thou kind of attitude, right? Because that would be the opposite of holiness. But are you becoming more set apart For the Lord, are you becoming more chummy, chummy with the world and what it offers? Are you consecrated to the Lord, or are you just trying really hard to enjoy this world and also follow God at the same time? Because being holy by definition means we are to be separated from this world; we are to be set apart unto God. That's what it means to be holy. But are you still mired and just like entangled in this world? Trying to just milk it, whatever this world offers. Whatever the pleasures, whatever the temptation this world offers. You're just milking it. And at the same time, try to just follow God at the same, same time. That is not holiness. God has set us apart from the rest of the people in this world to be his. We are to respond by separating ourselves from all that displeases Him and by giving ourselves to His worship and service. We have to have a whole, uh, healthy dose of reverence and fear of the Lord. But too often, we treat God like a next door neighbor. Hey, what's up, God? You, know, you missed me? You know, I'll just get around to you when I have a chance. My career, my family, my relationships, my relationship interests, they are more important to me than you. A proper response to holiness is godly fear. In Revelation fifteen four, angels say Who will not fear you, O Lord? Who will not fear you, O Lord? And Paul Washer says this. Why is the holiness of God such an astonishing truth to the holy angels who have never sinned? It is because holiness is not primarily a reference to God's sinless perfection, which most of us think that's what holiness is. But to his transcendence above even the greatest of his creatures, the most splendid angel that uh, that stands in the presence of God is no more like God than the smallest worm that crawls upon the earth. right? Even the, the archangel is no more like God than the smallest worm on the earth. And therefore, even they must bow their heads and cry out, holy, holy, holy. The angels, the sinless holy angels cry out because God is a completely separate different being he's just not more morally perfect than the rest of us or than, than 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 the sinless angels do you know who you are you are sanctified and set apart to be his people it is only right that we honor him and live like his people by keeping his commandments to break his commands is to profane his name, as in treating him as common, just like any other person or any other idol or unimportant. Be holy as God is holy. Do not go with the flow or follow the crowd. Make friends with the world, the ways of the world, because the path to life is narrow. Be holy. Let's pray. Father, we turn to you at this time and as we examine uh, what it means to be holy, what it means that, that God, that you are a holy God, and how that means more than moral perfection, moral purity, but that you are a completely separate, transcendent being, that, that, that you are incomparable, you're an awesome God that we can't even begin to describe. And yet so often, Lord, we have brought you down to our level, thinking that somehow we are in the same category. It's just that you are just much more uh, purer than us. But you are a completely different being, completely separate from your creation. So Lord, Correct our way of thinking. Change the way we really view your holiness. You are far above our corruption. We all are depraved. are tainted by sin. But you are not. And so Lord, as we turn to you, may we turn to you in awe, sense of awe, and cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Just as the 24 elders cry out day and night, never ceasing, to worship you by saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. May we also add that type of uh, worship before you. Striving to be holy, being set apart for you, for your purpose, for which you have created us. Draw us closer to you. And we also pray for those of us who are grieving, those of us who are really just having a hard time, those of us who are sick. We are going through many different things in our lives. But in the midst of all this, Lord, that you will remind us that you are for us. A holy God stooped down, came to us. God with us. A holy transcendent God being in the very midst of sinful man. What grace that is. What an amazing, amazing truth that is. Allow us really reflect and really worship you in reverence with holy fear and also with love. Compassion draws closer to you. We thank you. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.